It's not for fame or fortune that most deem necessary. No, I invest to don a crest for work less ordinary. Nor be it want of medals, cap or polished shoes, but a calling to help others who have everything to lose. To face hell's dancing angels and suppress them with each stride. To search resolve from deep within as loved ones weep outside. To stand with pride and dignity as comrades we remember. Be it pipes lament that fill sad air or silence in September. And may those names that have been etched in brass or granite stone haunt me in the darkness so I never fight alone. And if a colleague's head hangs low from tasting tragedy, let me offer up my shoulder for them to lean on me. But when amazing grace is played, alas, for none but me, lower the flag, but raise a glass, for I'm not far from thee. I'm gathered with the old flames, looking down from God's great height, on call if aid be needed to join you in the fight. Welcome to the Fit to Fight Fire podcast. I'm John Spear, and today we have Jay Bonnenfield. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, John. Glad to be here. I appreciate the conversations you and I have. The conversations typically focus on mindset, and I always appreciate how you look at things uh, on a deeper level, man. And today, I want to talk a little bit about your faith and specifically how your faith has helped you develop your mindset, how you approach the job, uh, what you lean on when things get difficult, whether it is your faith, your mindset, a combination of both, and just kind of see where the conversation goes. So, you know, share a little bit about yourself, your background. I know you've done that before on podcasts, but, you know, give us the cliff notes and then we'll get right into the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I work. Uh, out here in the West Coast in Washington State, uh, about a half an hour north of Seattle. Um, a husband and uh, father, we got uh, four kids, eight years old, six years old, three years old, and one years old. So three boys and a girl. Uh, my wife, Tess, and I, we've been together since uh, we were in high school. So we've known each other a, a long time. And, and uh, yeah, so I'm you know, blessed to work for a great fire department and, and, uh, you know, just, just being a, being a husband and a father and, and, uh, doing all that stuff right now is it's uh, a great season of life. So I'm really enjoying it. Well, one of the things we focus on here on this podcast specifically is we focus on the faith aspect of our job. And when you look at the, uh, fit to fight fire logo, you have the three stars and we talk about first one represents faith second one represents family, and then the third one represents fire. And we believe that our priorities have to be straight, faith and family first, before we can perform in that moment in time at the highest level. Like everything has to kind of be in order. And we know it's not always in order. We have different seasons of life. But talk to me about how your faith has allowed you to approach the job in a way that you feel like you're you're doing the job right. Yeah, so... Um, I, I think just a lot of it comes from a, um, a baseline foundation of my, 
you know, kind of a fundamental worldview of, uh, you know, to me, what is truly important in, 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 uh, in this world and in this life, um, you know, and having a, uh, a grounds and a worldview to look through, look at, you know, the lens through what you look at our job and everything that, you know, you go on everything you see, all the interactions you have, um, you know, and it makes it, I think looking at it through the lens of, um, you know, being a servant, which is a, you know, a, a biblical principle of somebody of faith is called to, you know, be a servant. Um, when I'm out there and I'm serving people in our community that I, that I work in, um, I'm serving the guys and gals that I work with. Um, you know, those are, those are things I'm honoring the Lord when I'm of service to people, you know, and when I'm using the the gifts that he's given me to be able to be of service to people, um, you know, it's just, it's more than just a job. It's more than just punching a, you know, punching a time card and, you know, collecting a paycheck and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it is a, something that, um, I feel like I was, uh, you know, blessed to be able to have the ability and the interest and the desire to go do. Um, but you know, also, there's the pendulum on the other side of things, which I think the fire services uh, has a tendency to lure people into becoming your identity. And um, I think that that's a, a trap that, you know, I've fallen into. And it's something that, um, you know, you see time after time people get sucked into the job becomes their identity. And I think that, um, you know, as somebody who, you know, believes I'm called to my, my identity is not Jay, the firefighter. Right. I am, uh, you know, I am a I am a follower of Christ. I am somebody who is a, you know, a sinful person that has been, um, you know, saved not of my own volition, but by what Jesus has done for me. And, um, you know, something that I could not do uh, on my own. And I think that, um, you know, the humility that comes with that of knowing you know, especially when you're out dealing with, uh, you know, with some of the more frustrating mundane calls, you know, where you might feel like you're, you know, you're dealing with, um, you know, just kind of the same repetitive thing over and over again, you know, your, your attitude, the way you approach your job, the, the, uh, the way that you interact with people, it's all as a representative of Christ. Um, you know, I think that's, that's also a really important aspect of it, but not getting my identity tied up in, you know, I'm Jay, the firefighter. It's no, I'm, I'm, uh, Jay, the undeserved, uh, undeserved recipient of grace, you know, is, is really what I, what I am. So. Jay, you talked about representing Christ in our work. I think that's such a powerful statement because truly when we have that Holy Spirit inside of us and we believe we've been saved and Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and because of that, we're able to see things we weren't able to see before. We're able to experience things we weren't able to experience before. We're able to go through trials, suffering in a way where we could still experience joy. When we experience that, Christ's reputation is on the line in our lives and when you said that two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning call or that mundane call, I can't tell you, man, how many times I have to think about, and this is just me. I think about what he endured and today being good Friday, today's good Friday and the brutal beating he took on the way to the cross 
and just the amount of suffering. And I'm going to complain about a two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning call. The only reason I could even go on that call is because of what he went through for us, man. I love that you attach to that because when you attach to that on the job, what a great arena, what a great environment to serve, but also to honor God in everything we do. I mean, even in our workouts, our training, uh, and then you talked about it is not your identity. Your identity is a, in a follower of Christ. And that's eternal identity. That's never going to go away. Like our job's going to end. At some point, our careers are going to end. And if we tied everything up in, in being a firefighter, well, man, I'm, it, it's, it's a hard thing to do when you're 60. You can't be a firefighter. I mean, there are people who have done it, but like it's going to end, right? As we get older, we just realize that. So that's an eternal identity. So I appreciate you sharing that perspective. I'd like you to talk to me about some times in your life, uh, whether it was when you were younger, recently, whatever it is, where you really leaned into your faith and had to dig deep into your faith, any type of adversity you faced or challenges throughout your life. Yeah, so um, I I grew up, I'm the, the oldest of five uh, kids. I got two brothers and two sisters. Um, and I grew up in a a very um, I think dysfunctional environment, and so I it's kind of interesting, um, you know, a lot of the examples of people in my life growing up that I that I had to look at that were um, you know Christian quote unquote um, were some of the people that were the biggest reasons uh, to, to turn away from it. Um, you know, and, and, um, whether it's, you know, like my, my dad and I have just, we've never had a, uh, a great relationship, you know, and, and that was something that, um, I, I think as a, as a young man growing up, having a, um, you know, having a, having a difficult relationship with your, with your dad, uh, is a dynamic, especially young, you know, young man growing up trying to figure out how to do things at, you know, how, how to, how to go do things, be a dad, be a husband, all that kind of stuff. Um, and not having an example really to, to look at, uh, uh, here on earth and having, and also not really understanding, uh, the depth of the example of, you know, who our heavenly father is as our perfect example of a father. Right. And I, and I just didn't understand where to look or anything like that. And so I, I spent a lot of my childhood growing up, um, just because of the dysfunctional environment I grew up in, uh, I was very angry and that's kind of my, my baseline. Um, unfortunately, like my baseline really sinful side is that just that angry side. And, um, I think a lot of the things that I endured growing up, uh, just created a very volatile, very angry person. Um, you know, and it, um, you know, without going into too, too much detail there, um, you know, that's just kind of what I, what I was as a, as a child, I was just a very angry person. I was, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, self-sabotaging, like, um, you know, I would, uh, screw up on, I, I would forego schoolwork intentionally 
um, in, in a lot of ways, I think it was, I, I was just self-sabotaging, um, you know, for a multitude of reasons, but just because of the dysfunction that I was going through and the hurt that I was going through, um, in a lot of ways, it just, uh, that it's like, I didn't want to let myself do well in some of those subjects in school and whatever. Um, I, I don't really know the full reason why, but it was just, it was rooted in anger. Right. And, um, you know, when my wife and I started dating when uh, when we were in high school, um, ultimately when we got married, um, after dating for you know a few years and stuff, uh, it really came to a head where she just called me out and was like, "Hey, this is th- this is not going to work. Like you are." you're angry all the time, you're argumentative, you're always got to be right, you're, you know, egotistical, you're all of these things, right? And, and tracing them back, I think a lot of it was um, growing up as the oldest of five in the environment that I grew up in, I kind of became like the self-proclaimed protector for my mom and my siblings. Um, And so I was kind of always on guard for like, there was always an enemy right? There's always something to fight against. Um, there's always something to prove myself against. Um, and so there's like that, that dichotomy of the chip on your shoulder, which they're always like, oh, you gotta have that chip on your shoulder. Well, that chip on the shoulder for me was, uh, just manifested itself in, in dysfunction. Um, and it wasn't a productive chip on the shoulder where it was like this, you know, used to boost your performance in any area. It was actually just something that just weighed me down and, and um, ultimately became a strain on my relationship. And, and uh, you know, early on in my marriage, my my wife was like, you know, this is you're just it's too much, you know. And I remember just being down on my knees, just begging God. I was just praying. And, and up until that point, um, you know, I had always believed in God, but, um, you know, I was by no means I had no faith. Right. And I, I believe that there was a God, but that was kind of the extent of it. And um, I remember just being down on my knees and just begging because I had tried to change so many times on my own. And like that was a thing that killed me because I was just like, you know, I'm a, somebody who prides myself, you know, again, a lot of it based on that environment of uh, always being self-sufficient and being the protector and being the you know, the one who's got their stuff together and who has to have their stuff together and who's going to, you know, go right the wrongs of those who are, you know, need to be protected uh, underneath me. All of those things, right? Like I, my, the story of my life was harder, faster, more intensity, right? Like it's just, I can overcome anything through sheer volume of, or through sheer will power and just go harder, faster with more intensity. And I'm going to like conquer whatever's in front of me. And I would write... You know, I remember like um, my parents saying when I was a kid, when they would discipline me, um, that I would rather from the time I was little. uh, My dad has a story about spanking me when I was little and I like he spanked me and I just took it and I looked up at him. I looked through my eyes. I said, that didn't hurt. Give me another. Right. And like that, that intensity of I'm not going to be broken. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm supposed to just try to change myself and I can't even change myself. 
and I'm like on my knees praying. I've tried so many times and I'm just in tears. Like I, I can't do it on my own. And it really just broke me, uh, that I was causing so much hurt with my, with my wife, you know, who I, the person I love most in this world. And, uh, she's like, I got, I can't do this unless you change. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I've, I can't change. And that was really the, the moment for me, I think God had, God just broke me and made me realize, you know, I can't earn my salvation. I can't out, I can't work it. I can't go harder, faster, longer, more intense to earn my salvation. I can't change my heart, you know, and like in, you know, Ezekiel talks about taking the heart of stone and, and, and turning it in into a, a, uh, you know, heart that is receptive to God's word. It's like, I can't do that on my own. And just that, that realization was really what broke me the first time. And just having that pattern in my life, like it's always something that I'm just continually struggling against. I'll like, you know, go through seasons in my life where I start to, um, I'll be going through something stressful and my, my instinct is to always resort back to, um, harder, faster, more intense, fix it yourself. And I'll just struggle, struggle, struggle until, you know, a while. And I'll, I'll peter myself out and be like, oh yeah, this again. Right. And, uh, you know, it's been, God has really blessed me in the sense that, um, throughout my life, no matter like how much trouble I got in no matter how dysfunctional and how much trouble I got in, uh, especially as a, as a young man, uh, as a, you know, as a kid growing up. Um, I remember my grandma saying, she, she goes, I pray every night that you'll get caught right for like going, doing whatever I was going to go do. She would always say, I pray every night that you'll get caught. And, um, it never ceased to amaze me looking back, like how many situations I could have like detoured into this complete, you know, whatever that is down that, that road. And God allowed me to like get in trouble early, get it nipped in the bud early. And then like, it, you know, just saved me from utter destruction down each one of those roads and like his providence that he had on, on, in my life going down and uh you know obviously still still to this day the the things that you think that you're self-sufficient can depend on yourself for and really it's just god and his grace guiding you and not letting you completely destroy yourself so well jay i relate to the father aspect of things and i think especially for for men uh, when we don't have that father figure, that coach, that mentor, the things we try to do today for our children, uh, when we don't have that or even get the approval from our father, uh, we look for it in other areas of life. And it creates an anger. It creates an anger that we don't even know where it's coming from. And it creates this, like you said, I always have a battle to fight. I always have an enemy. I always have to protect something. And really, that's just coming from a place of hurt. Like we're hurt that we're not getting what we need from our own dads. And in, and that and then we put up walls because we don't want to feel that from anybody else. And the most important person who should be giving that to us, we're not getting it. And, and it creates that. So I relate to where you were at as a young man. I have specific 
instances myself that if I would have went left instead of going right, if I would have zigged instead of zagged, I'd be in jail. I would not yep. be a firefighter. I'd be dead. I'd be dead. Like I ran yeah. with some, some, some dudes that when I was 10 years old, I was living in New York and there were some situations where God covered me. He covered me so many times in my life. And man, I see it in you. And when I talk to you, I hear it in your voice. Like, you know what it felt like to be that very protective, always on guard. And not that you're not protective and on guard now, it's just different. When you're always that angry person, you know, talk to me about the difference about where you are today compared to how you would react to things in the past. And I, I won't even use the word react because in the past you would react. I would say today <clears throat> you probably respond as opposed to react. And, you know, how grateful you are to have that Holy Spirit and that that sense of peace, knowing that ultimately he's in control of all of this. So I'm going to do the best I can in this situation, knowing that ultimately I don't have to be the one completely in control. And there's a piece in that, but go back to the guy you were when your wife was like, Hey, I can't do this anymore. And the man you are today, raising four children and trying to honor God and all that you do kind of talk to me about those two sides of the, of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I think short, shortly after, um, Shortly after that, that happened, you know, when I, it, it came in a really, really tough time where I was trying to get a job in the fire service, trying to get a full-time job. Right. And so I'm like in the mode of I'm working three jobs. My wife's working. Um, we didn't have kids at the time. I was taking tests like crazy. The economy, it was back in, you know, when the economy just, there was no jobs. Right. And I was sounds driving like a, all over. Sounds like a per, sounds like a perfect time to be an angry person. Like oh, that's like dude. the perfect storm. Yeah, it's like it's like the perfect storm for a guy who's already angry without <clears throat> any of that stuff, any of that stuff happening in his life. Oh, dude, to you know, totally. And it's just like you're uh I was one of the things that helped keep me on track uh growing up was sports. I was I was very that was like my outlet growing up, right? Was um sports and working out. And that was like my um, I, I was actually just the other day seeing one of my buddies that I grew up with and he, um, you know, we grew up just literally living under a barbell, uh, and the, the two of us, we bought our first weight sets together and like my brother was in there and we just go, and it was like, uh, you know, a bunch of dysfunctional kids that were getting together and just like lifting weights. Right. And that was, we would lift weights for hours every day. Right. And that was just our thing. Um, well then when I got in the fire service, I'm, you know, working all these jobs and I kind of lost, um, <clears throat> I lost that connection with those guys that I grew up with that we just, and I, and I lost that gym. Right. And then because my, my wife and I moved and so like, I was detached from that and the place we moved to, I didn't have a good gym to go to. Um, I was trying to work out as much as I could at the firehouse, but it was like, you're, you know, you're also, I'm working three jobs and it's just, it was crazy at the time. And I started letting that part slip. And I think that played a key role also in why I was so like just irritable and everything. Cause I, I didn't have that outlet anymore. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have sports and, you know, sports were the thing that kept me in school. I mean, I graduated high school with a 1.6 cumulative GPA. 
And the reason it was even that high was because I had a GPA requirement for sports, you know, and uh, I just had to meet the bare minimum. And then and then I just let it drop as soon as I met that minimum. And they're like, all right, you're good. You can play. Boom. Grades go. And so anyways, I, you know, I'm working and I just don't have those usual. They're support systems, but they're like worldly support systems, right? Like the worldly support systems will fail you. And if you're if your foundation is built on worldly support systems, like I have to get my workout or I have to, you know, whatever. These are my outlets. Those are systems that are going to fail because they're just systems that are of this world. Right. And so they're nice to have and I love them. And, and you know, that will topical of fitness will come up later. But like that was a big part of it was I did. What are you going to do when you don't have that? What are you going to lean on? Right. And that got stripped away from me. And my fitness started to devolve. That started to get frustrating for me because I I was just a a gym a gym rat, right? Like that, I lived for it, and then all of a sudden that's stripped away. I'm getting all these rejection letters of like, "Hey, I'm applied for this department, thanks, but no thanks. Applied for this one, thanks, but no thanks." Right? And you're getting all of these rejection letters. That's frustrating. Um, and so. You know, and then my my marriage was not going well. We're newlyweds, and you know, my wife and I've been together for a while at that point. But she she was just like, "You're unbearable to be around." You know, is basically what it came down to. And so, it was a real moment that God opened my eyes of like all these things that you say you are of. You say you're a leader. You say you're a you know when I was testing, when I would study for tests, I'd have this poster uh, above me that I'm, that I drew, or I, this piece of paper that I wrote on that said, uh, somebody is working harder than you right now. Right. And that was what I just stared at while I was studying for these tests. Right. It's like, you value being this dude that you're confident is going to outwork everybody. Right. That has the work ethic that nobody can touch. And yet, uh, here you are, unable to, uh, unable to change yourself, unable to manage your marriage, unable to, you know, lead in any capacity in the most basic, fundamental like capacities of your life. You can't even do that, and really stripped all that down and away from me. And uh, you know, it was luckily my wife and I we we found a um, a church that we you know, got plugged in at, we're still out to this day, um, you know, and was just able to really start. It's like when you have an injury, right? And you're, let's say, let's say you're going for a back squat PR or something like that, right? And you, you tweak something and you have to like strip it all down to the bare bar and, or maybe an air squat and start over from there. And like, you know, you're used to just crushing tons of weight all the time. And all of a sudden, like now you've got to strip it all the way down and learn how to squat all over again to fix what was really an underlying problem that was festering for a long time that caused an injury, right? Like that's the analogy I use with how that was for for me. It all had to get stripped down and rebuilt from the from the ground and really rebuild and like you know what here's what I think a godly husband here's what I think a husband is, here's what I think I no, what does God call me to be? Right. What does God call me to be for my wife? What does God call me to be in the workplace? What does God call me to, you know, like, uh, 
I would went head over heels in like the training stuff. Um, and still to this day, I love, you know, getting my head in the weeds with the fire service training stuff, but I allowed that early on to become part of my identity. And part of the reason why I was so angry was because I felt like I was so into it above and beyond what other people were, were into it. Um, but I, I didn't get the job yet and it still wasn't fulfilling for me. It like, it's like the more I pursued it, it still even wasn't that fulfilling for me. It's like, okay, well then I just need more. Right. And you go to more conferences and you go to more classes and you go to just more, more, more. And like the more you go to, the more you're like, okay, it's not there yet. And now I'm frustrated. Right. Uh, because I was searching for something outside of God to put my identity in. And, um, so I think, and and God really used some interesting ways of my first job, my first career job, and I won't name the department because I feel bad, but my first career job, I'd taken 52, I tested for 52 fire departments and I kept all of my uh, letters of rejection in a shoebox. And the day I got hired, I was going to burn all these letters and like, you know, just have a fire and celebrate woo, all this kind of stuff. I ended up, um, there was this small, uh, single station airport fire department that I, that I tested for. And I just took the test on a whim. There was no, I was taking every test I could at that point. My wife was even helping me. She would like go and stand and, and, uh, wait in overnight lines to pick up job applications for me while I was taking uh, the tests on the other side of the state, right? Like we were all in on this has to happen, right? She's a saint. And, uh, I get the, I go through this interview process with this small single station airport fire department. And I get the phone call from the chief. And I told my wife, cause he asked me, uh, if I hire you, will you stay here forever? And I was like, I don't know. I can't guarantee it. You know? And I just kind of phoned it in on the interview and uh, all of a sudden, my wife asked me after the interview, she's like, do you think you got it? I was like, no, there's no way they'd hire me after that. I get the phone call the next day from him. Jay, I want to give you a job. And it, that was not the job that I was going after. And I was like, oh, uh, shoot. Okay. And he he actually caught in my voice and he goes, boy, normally people are a little more excited when I give them a job offer. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm good. Dude, I was so shooken up by that. When I started driving home, I left the shift I was on. I was like, hey, guys, I just got hired. I got to get going. All right, cool, man. Congratulations. I got, my, I got my truck and started driving. I just started crying. I was like, this is not what I worked so hard for to end up rotting there there's no way this is it It, you know and it's no disrespect to like i i really don't want to be disrespectful i was so thankful to have like a job to provide for with for my family but like oh my gosh are you kidding me god like this is the place you're gonna send me to rot at this little tiny single station runs like 200 calls a year this is not what i do all this training for you've got to be kidding me right and like I feel terrible even saying it, but that's what was going through my head. And I'm just like sitting there so frustrated. I got tears coming out and I get home. My wife's like, uh, you know, are we excited? And I'm like, I, you know, and I just broke down. I was like, I can't believe this. Um, And I, I stayed there for 
after about six months, I got a call um, and I was able to get hired off of another list that I had been on for a long time. And I got a call up and, uh, but during my time at that department, um, that stripped away my identity of Jay, the firefighter, like Jay putting his identity in the fire. I was a firefighter, but I was not in my eyes, a firefighter, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? And it just totally stripped that identity for six months away from me and really made me realize like, oh yeah, I was putting my identity in Jay, the firefighter, like, you know, attacks these trainings and all this kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, like my marriage is important. And at the end of the day, wherever God calls me to be, I need to be all in on that, but not all in from the perspective of this is who I am. Like, no, I'm, I am Jay, the representative of Christ here in whatever fire department he's called me to be in. And I'm going to do the work to the fullest extent of my ability to glorify him, not for myself, not to bring glory to me, but to bring glory to him. And that's it. So I think I had to go through that before ultimately I ended up at the place where yeah, um, and I work for uh, Everett Fire Department here. And if you would have, at the beginning of my career, given me a choice between Everett Fire Department here and any fire department in the world, I would have chosen Everett Fire Department hands down, right? And like, it's just crazy after all of that. He finally, it's like after enough time, he's like, all right, I'll let you go have that, <laughs> right? But like, it wouldn't have been good for me to have that right out of the gate because it would have been, you know, Jay, the Everett firefighter, I did it. Look at what I did. It would have been that, uh, but that my ego would have taken over, but he had to break me of that before he was going to let me have that. I think. Well, seeing it that way is so important because you realize that God uses experiences that aren't pleasant, that could look a lot like suffering that could feel like pain to refine us into the person he needs to be for that next season of life. And you and I both have another next season of life. We don't even know what that looks like yet. And there'll be experiences that we go through today in the near future. But when you have that view of everything you go through, that God's putting you in that position to refine, to sharpen, uh, to make you a better man. So that in the way you lead your life, both at the firehouse and at home, in honoring him, you could draw others closer to him, Jay. And I believe that's the only reason we're here on earth is so that we could lead a life, live our life in a way that ultimately honors him and hope, hopefully draws others closer to him through our lives, through our mistakes too. And not just the good stuff, like the the bad stuff probably more than anything because it's the broken areas of life that I think most of us relate to Um you know, when you see somebody with the wind at their back and they're running downhill, it's like, I'm happy for them. But most of us can't relate to that because we're all going through something, right? Everybody's going through something. So, man, I think that's great that that happened. And I love the idea that your wife stood in line to accept an application, stood in line. And it sounds like overnight <laughs> to get an application for you. Talks about how much she believed in you, um, even when you were angry, even when you weren't, you know, the best husband, even when you weren't necessarily honoring God. Um, that's what's amazing about our spouses, how much they endure and 
go through with us just being firefighters. And then you throw in tired firefighters, cranky firefighters, impatient firefighters. And we come home from work and they're, they're, they're saints, man. It's uh, uh, being a spouse of a firefighter is, 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 I can't even imagine. So, well, Jay, talk to me about, you talked about, I was going to say, sorry, real quick. She stood in that line for 30 applications. She got me one. They didn't even hire off that list. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, and think about, think about what you're doing, like how bad you want the job. You're on the other side of town taking a test or you're doing something else. And there are people that get hired right away. Like it's their first, I've seen it. I'm like, they didn't even know why they're there and they get hired and that's fine. But then there are people like you who go through a season of just questioning whether or not it's going to happen. Um, I think I'm better than that person who got hired. Why did they oh, get hired? And yeah. I didn't. Um, if you have that perspective that God's in control when you go through that, and I don't know that you did in that season of life, you may have at some level, but when you have that perspective, it definitely makes things a lot more uh, manageable than if you're like, the whole world's against me. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea who they're hiring. Do they know how many classes I've been to? Do they know how much I know about firefighting? Like, It's easy to get in that in that mindset. And the fact that you kept saying... I kept going to classes and I kept going to trainings and it still wasn't enough. And to realize it never will be no matter how big your house is, no matter what rank or position you have in the fire service, no matter how much people think you're awesome or how much people think you suck. None of that matters because you're it's ultimately what does God think about you? Right. What does God think about you? And, And to have that clarity now, it's a good position to be in. You talked about your fitness and how that was a a big part of your kind of maintenance program, your ability to kind of deal with the anger, to deal with stress, to deal with the challenges of life. And I, I feel the same way. That's been a big outlet for me. But I know from having injuries and not being able to work out at times, that could go away. That could go away tomorrow. Uh, with that being said, it's still an important part, obviously, of our job, but even to deal with stress. So talk to us about how fitness has played a role in your life and have you always, have you always been like a guy who's been getting after it or have you had seasons where your fitness has slipped? Yeah. So, um, like I said, when I was, when I was a kid, um, I started getting, I started to lift. I don't know how old I was, but it was, it was pretty early. Um, my grandpa on my dad's side and my dad, um, they're, very and always have been uh very strong people um they're folks who just you know um intentionally and they they worked out a lot right and so that was something that kind of got kicked And, and my dad uh definitely you know fell off the the wagon a little bit when it was just you know survival mode of uh you know five kids and, you know, in a tiny little house and he's trying to provide, you know, we're on, you know, the food stamps and the whole thing, you know, it's, it, fitness kind of takes a backseat at that point, but it had been enough like impacted on me at that point of, uh, you know, that's, that's who we are, right. It's like, we, we go lift things. And so, um, that was something that got ingrained into me early and, 
then I got when I started getting really heavy into uh, a few different sports. I loved, I loved the outlet that it gave me, and I loved the ability to put work into something and then see and feel that change and that positive, that positive impact out on the field, right. Or, or whatever sport, whatever endeavor I was doing. Um, and it was like, it kind of just played into, you know, what was, I, I think being, uh, built what I was building at the time, which was, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of resources to be able to um, go out and get stuff. So I had to get it on my own. All right. So I started working at a young age. I uh, started bucking hay bales at a young age. Well, hay bales were really hard when I started out because I was small and young and all that kind of stuff. And so working out helped with bucking the hay bales, bucking the hay bales helped with working out, Um, you know, doing the, um, it was time with my buddies that we all found uh, work and my brother, we all found working out kind of at the same time. And so we were able to, you know, go out and, and, uh, you know, papers and find, uh, for sale ads for gym equipment. We go out and like work, earn money, go buy gym equipment. Right. We just mass this stuff. We end up with, uh, one of our, one of the buddies in my neighborhood, his parents let us put it all in their basement. And we would just, once we got enough stuff that just became our thing. Well, um, you know, when I was playing football in high school, like they had, uh, you know, attendance thing for who's, who's in the weight room the most. Right. And like, it was always me and my, me and my buddy, Dan, who we were working out in our off time together. And then we'd go and we'd do zero period workouts before class, before school would start. And then we'd go and skip school and go out bird hunting or do whatever. And then we'd come back and we'd lift in the afternoon. And it was just like, that was it. Well, then when I got started in the fire department, I started to have the uh, lack of sleep because as I was working so many jobs and lack of sleep. And so I started to slack off on that. Right. The other thing was I started, um, I started drinking more and, um, my diet was the diet of a, all the guys at work always make fun of me. Uh, cause they say I eat like a poor kid because I just, I spread out and I just, you know, just food flying everywhere. I, I eat fast because growing up had five kids you eat as much as you can with that first helping because there's probably not going to be seconds. So you pile it on, you eat as much as fast as you can. And the only person who might have a hope of getting seconds is whoever eats the most, the fastest and can get over there. So it's like a bunch of rabid dogs. So I had those eating habits and I never watched what I ate because I was just, I was young and I was burning it off. Right. I was just going 24 seven. Well then metabolism slows down, lack of sleep kicks in. I start to like slack on the workouts because I'm tired all the time. Right. And I'm like, well, I just took for granted. I'd always been fit and strong. I ended up ballooning up to, and it's hard because this is a podcast, but if you've ever met me, I'm not tall. I'm five foot eight, five foot nine, right? I'm not a tall guy. Uh, I ballooned up to 248 pounds at my heaviest. I was thick and, uh, my buddies were all making fun of me for being, and I, and I thought like, oh dude, I'm lifting a lot, you know, whatever. It's a bulking phase as the joke goes. Right. I was just my buddy, uh, my buddy Schmitty, he used the word. He said that I, whenever we talk about it now about fat Jay back in the day, he says, he goes, Jay, you blossomed. 
and I just love the word blossomed. It's like <laughs> it's the, the nicest way of saying like, dude, you got fat. And uh, it's the it's uh, the politically correct term of saying you are fat, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And but all the guys were like bust my chops about getting fat, and I was just like, dude, whatever. My shirts are a little tighter. My pants are a little tighter, you know. But whatever it is what it is i'm i'm also you know i'm strong too so this is fine well no it wasn't fine i was getting fat uh turns out eating you know crushing lasagnas by myself in one sitting is just it's a recipe for disaster there well um it ultimately the guys have been busting my chops enough and i wasn't really taking the hint and then a bunch of them turn their like social media profile pictures into my face with just like I had jowls it was like this light that I had never I look at myself in the mirror every morning and I'd never seen that guy and I remember just seeing it and being like oh my gosh I am fat and it was and my wife <laughs> my poor sweet wife she's like just like you were never she's still to this day if i bring it up she's like you are it wasn't that bad that was so mean and blah 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 i'm like no that's what i needed and like and then i'm like you were a chubby chaser like you love you loved it you loved it when it was fat jay because fat jay just made you look even better next like yeah so anyways we go back and forth about that but it was so funny because i'd never seen myself like that and i'm like dude uh i need to rein it in and it was like the perfect punch in the mouth or in the chins. If you ever see the fat J picture, there's a lot of chins involved. It's a very unflattering angle, but it, I didn't do myself any justice. Hey, hey Jay, a- hey, Jay, can I, can I use that fat J uh, picture to promote this podcast? I'm just, Dude, I will send it. I will send it to you. You absolutely can. The guys at work love it, but uh, <laughs> dude, it was, it was the exact punch of the mouth I needed of like, wake up pal this isn't this isn't what you need to be doing um and i you know instantly was like it's not going to be diets fad diets it's not going to be like any tips or or any nifty tricks or anything like that like this is has to be sustainable lifestyle changes and it started out with i'm going to work out every single day right and it doesn't be and this is where I started to really like get back to my roots of it doesn't matter if I feel like it, I have to move today. And it doesn't always have to set a PR. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't matter if it's cold. It, and by this time we just had our first kid and I had every excuse in the world to like new dad, not getting much sleep, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. Right. And it was like, I'd have days where, uh, the, all this stuff, the squat rack, everything's out in the garage and it's, the baby would wake up really early. And so early morning workouts weren't going to happen. And then just the rhythm of the day would go by and I'd get to like dinner time. And I'm like, I need to work out still. And I haven't, and I could just say, well, it's not going to happen because it's dark outside. I would end up at nighttime at 10 o'clock at night sometime going, okay, it's got to get done. I got to put the hay in the barn. It doesn't matter if I set a record today, I got to put the hay in the barn. And so I drag myself out there in, you know, 30 degree weather in an uninsulated garage at 10 o'clock at night. And I'd go get my workout done because I got to put the hay in the barn today. And like, I have, uh, uh, the Greek, the Greek, 
uh, uh, what is it? The Greek guy, uh, Sisyphus push, pushing the rock up the hill. Right. Like I've always loved that, uh, character from Greek mythology where he's pushing the rock to the hill and he never quite makes it. And he always falls down. Right. And until eternity, and that's the, that's the analogy with him or the metaphor with him. It's like, that is, and, uh, there's this quote and, uh, Greg Redmond from St. Louis actually turned me onto the quote. And I love the quote. It's, uh, um, that you, in order to find joy in those struggles in life, you have to imagine Sisyphus happy, right? Like pushing that rock up the hill and it falling back down it's not the rock getting to the top of the hill that you need to find the joy in. It's in the process of pushing the rock to the top of the hill and it's going to fall back down. And you just find your joy in pushing the rock to the top of the hill. And, uh, and you're never going to quite, you, you don't, it's that whole like process focus versus outcome focus. The outcome is going to be whatever it's going to be. And it may change and it may be something completely unexpected, but find joy in the process. Um, and so that's what it became for me. And especially having kids, like we have four kids, they're little, my kids work out with me. I don't ever make them work out. I just enjoy, I want them to come out to the garage with me and swing on the, on the rings or the pull up bars or turn the gym into a, a jungle gym or whatever. Um, have them around me while I'm doing it. They're always welcome out there. If they want to do their own little workout, I'll design a little workout for them. I have like a kid's bar. I have like little kettlebells, all that kind of stuff. They'll do that stuff with me. I just want them to build that. Like, this is who we are. This, this is what we do with our lives. Like we work out, we stay fit, we stay strong. We stay, you know, always in pursuit of being stronger, faster, and harder to kill. And we're never going to achieve the, the outcome doesn't matter. We're just going to enjoy the pursuit of what that looks like in our life. And it's a part of what we do every single day, not whether or not we want to, but because this is our daily rhythm. And so I had to really get into, I had to really go back to, this is my daily rhythm. Now, again, just like that pendulum or the dichotomy in life where if it becomes your identity, that's dangerous, right? This is, God has blessed me with the ability to be able to do this and, and my wife's support of it and all that kind of stuff. Now, I don't work out at the same time every day. I work out when it's convenient for the family because ultimately I'm a husband and a father first. And uh, if you let it working out and you're, it can be this entitlement thing of like, I deserve my workout at this time. And I'm going to be cranky when I don't get it. Like, no, there are days where I don't get to work out until late at night because that's just how the rhythm of the day went. My family needed me to serve them until that point. And when I can finally fit in my workout, okay, that's now my time to be able to go do that after I've fulfilled my duties as a husband and father. But I'm not entitled to, I get, dad gets his workout time at this point every day. It's just not sustainable if that's the case. Well, I think when you look at it that way and you have that flexibility, you don't put the pressure on yourself to have a workout at a certain time. And when the kids interrupt that or something changes, it creates havoc in your life. I'm the same way. Um, the only time I have like a scheduled workout time is if I'm at the firehouse and the goal is to get a workout in as a crew, 
first yeah. thing in the morning and that gets interrupted, right? That gets interrupted with calls all the time. Uh, I believe if I could get two to three workouts in, in a 48 hour shift, man, I am in such a good spot for the rest of the week with the family. And if I get a couple on my four day, there's my five workouts for the week. I'm the same way, Jay. I'm very flexible with my workout time. And I do love how you revisit it. It's not your identity. God gave you two arms, two legs. You're blessed. You can move in a way that allows you to find joy and movement. And it is not your identity, but you do use it to honor God. When you show up physically fit, when you show up mentally fit, when you show up spiritually fit, it puts you in a better position to honor God. So I'm on board with all that. I don't have a very regimented workout time. I'm not Jocko where I get up at four 30 in the morning and I, yeah. you know, I'm getting after it in the, in the basement. I'm the same way, man. My, my, my faith comes before anything. So I try to get scripture done in the morning. If I can, I just shared today, the last two days I didn't, it was so funny. And I was off. I was completely off, man. And then my family and then fitness is in there when I, when I could get it in there, it's a priority and discipline will be what makes me, uh, get it done. But at the same time, it's not like entitlement. I like how you put that. And I think it takes the pressure off of somebody who's trying to get fit. Sometimes people think like, I need an hour. Well, what if all you have is 10 minutes? What yeah. if all you have oh, is yeah. 10 minutes between being a, a dad and and uh, being a husband? And what if all you did for 10 minutes was five push-ups and 10 air squats for 10 minutes? Yeah. As many as you can. Is that better yeah. than not, not doing anything and being angry because you didn't get your workout in? I, I know I've had several dozens of days like that as a father of three who wants to get that work it in, workout in just to kind of feel whole as a person. Yeah. But you could still feel whole as a person and not have this super strict uh, schedule. So I, I think that's good for everybody to hear that it doesn't have to be this specific time. It doesn't have to be at the at the expense of family time. Um, I think it's important. Talk to me about being a dad, man, four kids. Um, I always say when we went from two to three, we went from man to man defense to zone. Oh yeah. Just trying to keep them in front of us. (laughs) So how does, how much has your fitness and your faith helped you be a husband and a father? Well, um, so I think Well, I'll say this: when when my wife and I set out, um, you know, to to start having kids, we always said like we get to three and then we'll see. And that ended up happening. We got to three and we we're like, our at that point, um, my oldest is a boy, number two is a girl, number three is a boy, and our number three, um, holy smokes, that kid is wild. Like he's just. He is, he's wild. And I, I love that kid so much. And he's so funny, but, uh, my wife always says he's trying to unalive himself all the time. Like every time you turn your back, he's just, he's doing things that you're like, what in the world, why would you do that? You know? And, uh, it's just so much fun, but it, we were like, okay, we're tapped out. Uh, and then God had other plans and number four comes, right. And it's another little boy. And so we got, uh, just this awesome dynamic in our house. I I really, I, I love what God put together and, you know, uh, I've got my girl, my, you know, she's just the sweetest little thing and she's surrounded by these smelly monsters, you know, 
and uh it's it's a pretty cool dynamic but i um i'm trying to just figure out how to be a dad as i go and and uh it's it's tough man especially looking looking to examples so when i was growing up one of the things that i developed i think because of the environment that i grew up in a lot of dysfunction was I learned a lot of how not to do things right. And that was very valuable in its own sense. But then there's also the, I didn't know how, I wasn't being taught how to do things. Um, And so I got pretty good growing up, not on purpose, but just kind of out of necessity. I got good at like looking for taking little bits and pieces from like, Oh, that guy does this really well. And I like that, but not getting attached to the whole person because I was also at the same time, my experience up to that point was when I got attached to people, like they would let me down in some, you know, in some major capacity. And so it was like, um, you get good at piece piece mailing together what the ideal dad would look like based on some of your buddies, dads and some, you know, whatever. Right. And there's examples of how not to do it. There's examples of how to do it. And, but none of them are perfect. And here's how I'm going to piecemeal this together. Um, you know, and so now I think growing into, there's a, there's a, a good amount of information there, but ultimately like God is our, he's our perfect father. Right. And there's, um, Time spent in the in scripture, time spent in the word, time spent in prayer um, and and seeking God and being plugged into a a good like Bible preaching church like where, you know, just verses or, you know, scriptures just being preached uh, on on Sundays and you are getting like just fed well there's just no substitute for it. And you're able to, you know, look at good examples of, of, you know, guys who are being husbands and fathers well, but ultimately like pointing towards our heavenly father, who's a perfect example. Um, that's been a big, you know, growing experience for, for me. And I think that the thing that it, as of late, that's really become evident to me is just so important. It's just humility is so important. Um, not, not ever allowing myself to like, oh, to reach that point of, oh, I've got it figured out. Oh, I'm there. Um, just this eternal pursuit of, um, I'm not there yet. I don't have it figured out. There's things I think I know right now, but I don't even know that for sure. Um, and what, you know, what is God trying to teach me here? And am I serving my family well? Am I, um, do my kids see a, you know, trying to model our Heavenly Father with like, do my kids see a patient, kind, loving, forgiving uh, father, right? Who also holds them to a standard, but when they do stumble and they do fall, is it a, you know, a father that is, um, overly harsh and, uh, you know, condescending and sarcastic, or is it a father who is, you know, gentle and is patient and who is like firm, but, uh, gracious and who is there to see them, um, as they make mistakes and as they learn and they, they are growing, who has that, that grace with them of like, 
I, I understand this is a process, right? And I don't expect you to be perfect right now. We're going to grow through this. And I'm going to help you. And I don't have all the answers right away. But I, and one of the other things I really want my kids to learn, to know, and to see with me and, and you know, my wife's the same way is like, I want them to see when we mess up, uh, I go to them and I own it and I apologize to them and I seek their forgiveness, right? Like, I want to make sure that when I mess up with my kids, I sit them down like, I really messed up. Will you please forgive me? I am so sorry. Like, I failed you here. Like, I want to model that for my kids. Um, Because when I think of what, how I want them to be better than me, you know, when they're parents and stuff like that down, down the line, um, you know, having somebody who is demonstrating, you know, repentance and recognition of our, you know, our screw ups and our sin and stuff like that. Uh, you know, those are, those are foundations that I want to model for my kids. And it's not perfect every time by any means. Um, but man, it's like the, the more that I, the more that I, try to model that and whatnot um you know the the more i just realize how important that is as as a father and then the other thing is i want my kids to see um like i i love my wife more than more than anybody in the world and uh, you know i want my kids to see um if i'm going to preach servant leadership if i'm going to preach you know um you know my if i'm going to preach all of these things i want to see my kids like when i get home and i'm tired like i just worked last night right and i i have every excuse to be able to say like i'm tired i deserve this i want that i want my kids to see me serving my wife in our marriage you know and put it and laying myself down as like you you get me first no matter what i think i'm entitled to you get me first you get everything and then i'll take the leftovers right and like that's that's my job in this household is to make sure that like uh i come i come last i get the leftovers and like i said with the workouts you know at 10 o'clock at night sometimes or whatever like that's the leftovers of that day or I'm tired from shift and, you know, my wife needs me to take, you know, the two little guys off her hands so that she can go and just take a breather because she's been with him for 24 hours. And I'm feeling like I'm entitled to a nap right now. Right. Or something like that. I want my, I want to model for my kids. Like, no, dad gets home. He puts himself last. He lets, he takes care of everybody in the house. And then after that is all taken care of and done, then he can rest, right? And then he can take whatever's left over. But I always get the leftovers. So I think that's that's important. It's I love the the term I get the leftovers because it's dying to yourself every single day. We talk about mm-hmm. um there's only there's only there's only one God and we're not him, right? We're not that God. Like as much as our ego and our pride will make us believe that. And so it's really easy to have this sense of entitlement. I deserve this. I deserve that. You know, even as simple as like my kids will go for some food and they're like, dad, do you want that? 
And it's no, you guys, you know, it's the simple little examples of giving the wife, the kids, they get first dibs on everything. It's so important. And it's the difference between being a boy and being a man. Boys, even if they're 30 year old boys out there, there's 40 year old boys out there are consumers. They consume, they consume, they consume. Men create. Men create environments, men create things, men produce, boys consume. And the maturity in that is so important for our kids to see because they need to see what that looks like. Your daughter needs to see you serve your wife. So that's what she seeks in a man when the time comes. That example is so important. I can't tell you how many times I stopped myself in the track, my tracks and wanted to react to something that my wife might have said. And I would just stop myself. And I wish. Stopping myself because I'm trying to be a godly man was enough, but at that moment it wasn't, but my daughter being in the room was, and I had to like take a breath and just, cause man, there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake in everything we do. And I'm not perfect at it, man. I've had to go to my kids so many times and say, Hey, dad really screwed this up. And here's why I was scared and I, it showed up as anger Yeah, and I got angry. I wasn't, I wasn't angry at you. I was scared. I was scared that you were in that situation. I was scared. And um, that's how I responded or I reacted. I wish I would have responded. And I I reacted with anger and I apologize. I think that's amazing, brother. I'm so happy that, you know, God's working in your life that way. And he's using you to, to show, you know, what, what it is to be a Christian man. And when I say that, I don't say that in the sense that we got it all together and we got it figured out because that's where that you said humility is the foundation of all of this. It's knowing that we don't have it figured out and that pursuit of trying to get better every day as a father, as a husband, as a firefighter and using the Bible as our instruction manual. And you talked about the scripture. It's in the scripture. What I love about scripture is I read it at different seasons of my life and certain things that I've read 30 times now resonate with me. And I've always heard it's like this living document. And I now finally understand what, what people mean when they say that, because it kind of connects with you uh, depending on where you're at in life. You know, how often do you find yourself in the Bible? And this isn't like, I'm not, I, I haven't, I didn't read it the last two days. So, you know, do you find yourself kind of going back to it daily or is that something that you, you get to every other day. What's, what's that look like for you? Yeah. So, um, I, for, for me, it's kind of like working out. I used to do it. Um, so sorry, I'll say it with working out. It's always easier for me to work out in times where, you know, the kids aren't around. Right. But one of my things that I want is for my kids to, have the opportunity to be in the vicinity and to see dad getting after it in the, in the gym. Right. Um, it's easier for me to wake up early and to have time in, in the word, um, with nobody around. Um, and I've, I've always been, you know, a, a pretty early riser anyway. Like that's a good quiet time. Our kids are still pretty early risers. They get up, you know, before the, the butt crack of dawn, usually anyways, too. Um, and it, it used to be like, well, I need to get up earlier so I can have my quiet time. And and what I've really 
learn to love uh, developing over the last few years, even amongst all the chaos, is just sitting in my chair and doing my doing my reading while the kids are doing their morning thing. And um, you know, I want them to have that like memory as they get older of um, you know seeing their dad every single morning sit down in that little chair, turn the light on, and just read his Bible. Um, you know, is it always the easiest to do with all the chaos going on? Like, no. And same thing with working out. It's not easy to work out with kids around, but the, um, you know, kids are going to learn far more from what they watch you do and what they're around you. They're going to you know learn from that a lot more than what you just tell them to do, right? Like I can tell you reading is important. Reading your Bible is important, but if you don't see me do it every day and they're like, they're imitators, right? And I'll have my kids, especially my little guys, like they'll crawl up in my lap and they have their little Bible, right? And they'll sit there and they'll squirm and they'll just like flip through the pages of their little Bible and they'll interrupt me and ask me to read their page or whatever. But like they're whatever inconvenience, again, dad gets the leftovers, right? Whatever inconvenience there is and however tempting it is in the moment. And I'm not perfect at always doing this, but I always try, I try to remember like, this these are things that are setting foundations that will pay big dividends down the road for them uh because they're just going to grow up this is what we do um and so you know i i'm pretty good about that being my my morning routine every morning um but you know like pr- prayer has been something that i've never been great at that's something that you know, I definitely notice big time seasons in my life where I'm just, I do not spend time in prayer. Um, and the older I get, the more I realize like how much God uses that time to really like shape my heart and to, 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 you know, just to use that like prayer meditation time to really like shape my, my heart and my thoughts of where I'm going forward. Um, and how valuable that is. And that's hard in this season of life to get much consistency with that. But, um, you know, the other thing too is, uh, I, you know, read a lot of like, um, you know, theology books and stuff like that, just trying to further my depth of, of knowledge, because sometimes, you know, reading, reading scripture, like you said, in those different seasons, it'll, you'll have like a, a understanding, you'll read something. You're like, okay, I understand what that means. But then like, you'll go and you'll, you'll be reading about some the- theological topic or something like that. And you see that verse differently, right? Because of just a different perspective. And it's just like, you know, any learning in the fire service, it's, it's sharpening that edge and gaining perspective that you didn't know was there. I think that's, that's, uh, you know, also something that's brought a lot of value, uh, to me. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my daily rhythm. So you revisited that you get the leftovers. And I think that's so important because we talk about servant leadership and I believe servant leadership is you get the leftovers, you get your last. That's what servant leadership means. You're the last to, to get something. You're the last when it comes to your time, you're the last when it comes to your, you know, your agenda for the day, whatever that is. I think that's really hard though, because 
we do want to get our things in. We have things we want to do. And especially with your seasonal life, man, I've been there with the little ones. Um, they're, they're, they need, they need dad right now. And it's what a great opportunity. I tell people who will listen, I believe God created marriage and being a father or a parent to get us over our own selfish desires. I believe that's the true purpose to refine us. And I've never been in an environment in my life like marriage and being a dad where I have to really, you know, die to myself constantly and just give my kids and my wife time. And it, it's not always instinct. And that's what you, you want it to be. That's the pursuit. Like we want to be that person where it's automatic. And sometimes it is. And then sometimes it's a struggle. Like we're trying to do something, but that's what makes us human. We talk about, there's only one perfect man and he died on a cross 2000 years ago. We will never be perfect. It'll never be like this automatic instinct to be like, yeah, it's all yours. I don't care what happens to me today, but we do it. Sometimes it's easier than others because we know that's what it means to be a servant leader. So Jay, I appreciate you coming on today, man. I think we talked about a lot of different things. We talked fitness, we talked family, but most importantly, we talked about faith. I just want to say thank you for spending time with me today. Like you said, Four kids worked yesterday. Um, very easy to kind of put this off. And you also had a meeting before you got on with me today. So, man, I appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for, thanks for having me on, man. And, and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, what you're doing with the podcast, I, you know, can't say enough good things about it. And, uh, you know, being able to, uh, you know, really bring us back to center. Um, I, I love the fire service and it was the job that I was, you know, created to, it, it, as far as like what God, the plan that God had for my life, it's, it is per, for sure. He, he made me to, to do this and to love this. And I absolutely love it. Um, but the fire service has that tendency to um, become an idol in a lot of ways and to become, you know, so much of what makes us good firefighters being, you know, mission focused and being, you know, driven and being, you know, that work, I'm going to outwork harder, faster, longer than anybody, you know, all of those things that make us like good at our job are also things that we just absolutely uh, shoot ourselves in the, in the foot spiritually uh, with you know, and there, and there are things that can become uh, struggles and detract us from, you know, really what is the most important thing, which is, you know, glorifying God and everything that we say and, and that we do. And, um, you know, I love what you're doing with this podcast, that it's really tying those two worlds together and, and uh, putting them in their respective, respective uh, places they should be. So I, I love that. If you're looking to improve your mental and physical fitness, join our community. For only $5 a month, the cost of a cup of coffee, you'll receive a workout of the day, seven days a week, a daily inspirational message, seven days a week, a monthly training. But more importantly, you'll be surrounded by a community of like-minded firefighters, all on the same mission to become the best versions of themselves so that they could serve their community and their families at the highest level. Head over to patreon.com backslash fit to fight fire and join our community.